done. I'm over it. I am sick of trying to figure out this college football playoff committee. I'm Pete Mundo. Welcome on in. Appreciate you joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And as always, before we get it rolling, guys, uh, if you could when we're done here, or right now, that'd be even better, uh, take 60 seconds out, leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, helps us out tremendously. And uh, in return, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. If you send me that rating and review, a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. And let's dive back into the show. Did you see these rankings this week? They make zero sense. And if you're a Big 12 fan, you should be livid by the treatment this conference is getting from the College Football Playoff Committee. The only thing that you can say about the committee right now from a positive note, if you're a Big 12 fan, is that they did put Iowa State in the top 25. And Iowa State, by the way, is worthy of that. They've lost four games by 11 points, and they're all to ranked teams. And they are the uh, highest-ranked four-loss team in America, which is nice. But man, oh man, this conference is getting hosed and I don't know what's going on. I just, I can't figure it out. How is Oklahoma ranked ninth after getting a top 15 win over Baylor? Coming back from 25 points down. I know the first half didn't go ideally, but are, are you kidding me right now? If you are the college football playoff committee, I just, I cannot figure this one out. You've got Utah who goes out there and, and beats up UCLA 49-3 to over the uh, weekend. That's fine. Meantime, you get uh, Oregon this past weekend rolling past Arizona. Good for them. And you have OU beating the 13th-ranked team in America, who's now 14. Comeback fashion, impressive fashion. And they can't get past this week? Oregon or Utah? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Let's compare the resumes between Oklahoma, Oregon, and Utah. And and here's the reason I'm concerned about this, by the way. The reason I'm concerned is that it's almost like they're trying to get the Pac-12 back in the mix here. You know, the Pac-12 has been shut out of the college football playoff a couple of years running. Um, even when they were there, it was Washington getting waxed a couple of years ago in the playoff. They're trying to get the Pac-12 back in the mix. At least that's how it feels. And when, you know, the head of the committee is Rob Mullins, I don't want to go down a conspiracy rabbit hole. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't like to do that. But, boy, it makes you shake your head a little bit, especially when you compare the resumes here. Let's do that. Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah. Let's start with OU. Wins against current college football playoff ranked teams. Two. They have a road loss to a four-loss Kansas State team. Uh, Their strength of schedule is 31st. And their wins against teams with a 500 record or better is three. Oregon, zero wins versus teams currently ranked in the top 25. Their loss is to three-loss Auburn at a neutral site. Their strength of schedule, 45. And they have two wins against teams with a record better than 500. Utah, zero wins against currently ranked top 25 teams. Their loss to four-loss USC on the road as USC had its third-string quarterback, strength of schedule 48, one win versus teams with a record better than 500. That is not even close. OU, better strength of schedule, more wins versus ranked teams, and more wins against teams with uh, records better than 500. I mean, it's just, it's not even close. It's not even close. So what is the committee looking at? By the way, 
Baylor's also getting hosed. I'm not saying Baylor should have moved up um, all that much, but when you compare the resumes of Baylor and Oregon, how about this? Baylor, 9-1 and record, two ranked wins, wins versus Power 5 teams with a winning record, three, strength to schedule, 41, lost to a top-10 opponent. Oregon, 9-1, and one ranked win, two wins against Power 5 teams with winning records, strength to schedule, 45, they're lost to a top-15 opponent. If you did a blind resume, you would say Baylor has the better resume. But no, it's Baylor down at 14, and it is uh, Oregon sitting there nice and cushy at six. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Rob Mullins? Now, I know he leaves the committee room and everything like that, um, you know, when they talk about his team. But gosh, dang, it just feels like the Pac-12 is getting the benefit of the doubt, and it makes no sense. Rob Mullins made a couple of interesting comments last night uh, when he was being interviewed on ESPN about this college football playoff, uh, the latest rankings here in Week 13. He talked about Baylor and the way Baylor wins. He goes, quote, they've got a number of close wins, and they find ways to win them. And then he goes right to their non-conference schedule, which is a combined seven wins. Now, I agree. I wish Baylor would have scheduled a little bit better in the non-conference. I am wholly supportive of that. And I've been saying that all season. Baylor could be hurt by the fact that their non-conference was not any good. Okay, that's fine. Let's share with you uh, Utah's non-conference, by the way. This is the Utah Utes, who are apparently uh, in the college football playoff committee's eyes, ranked seven spots higher than Baylor. Utah played BYU, who's having an okay year, but they also have losses to USF and Toledo. Um, Then they played Northern Illinois, who's at the bottom of the MAC standings this year, and then Idaho State. Not exactly murderer's row, okay? So you can tell me that Baylor's non-conference was no good, and it's not any good, and it may come back to bite them. But to have a seven-spot disparity between Utah and Baylor? I mean, really? Especially when Utah's losses to uh, USC, a four-loss team, and their third-string quarterback, while Baylor's was to a top-ten team in the country. It's just, it is crazy, and I cannot figure it out. I really can't. Um, the other thing that's that's bothering me about the college football playoff rankings is Alabama sitting there at number five still. Alabama loses Tua, right? And um, one thing the committee said this week, Rob Mullen said it this week to ESPN. He goes, our job is to evaluate the games through week 12. Alabama had a convincing win, so it didn't impact the rankings this week. So the premise that Rob Mullins is giving there is that uh, basically we know they lost Tua. He's a Heisman candidate, but... You know, the game was over. They had dominated the game. Therefore, we're not going to let it hurt them in the rankings as of right now because even though, yes, it is a factor moving forward, there's nothing that has happened yet to justify moving them down. Well, hold on here. You can't have it both ways if you're Rob Mullins. You just you can't have it both ways and tell me we're not hurting Alabama in the rankings because they won the game, they were dominating the game before Tua went down, and nothing has happened yet to justify uh, knocking them down a couple of pegs. But then say, well, Baylor's winning all these close games, and uh, that's why they're not ranked as high, because of how they're winning. Well, part of how Alabama won the game and part of what happened on Saturday was a Heisman contender going down. I mean, that's part of what happened within the game. 
And if you're going to use that justification and you're going to say part of how you win and what happens within a game matters, then Tua Tungabaloa going down for the season has got to matter. You can't just say, well, it's about the point differential at the end of the game. If you're going to say what happens within the game is a factor that you consider, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's more than fair. That is more than fair. They just make these rules up as they're going along. And right now it's looking like they're, they're trying to get either a second SEC team or a Pac-12 team in there. And, and once again, I don't want, I really don't want to go down the road of this conspiracy stuff, but it just, it's making no sense to me. The lack of respect for Oklahoma and Baylor. Now, maybe if OU had that massive non-conference win, uh, like in Ohio State, like that a couple of years back or whatever it might be, uh, maybe things are different. But OU did schedule UCLA and Houston, a great group of five program traditionally, not having a good year. And then UCLA, obviously, out of the uh, Pac-12, which is, you know, typically a pretty good program. They're both having down years. You can't fault OU for scheduling them. Now, Baylor, obviously, you can point to the non-conference and say, boy, not good. Um should have at least tried to do a little bit better. But with OU, you can't say that. You just cannot say that. And having these three SEC teams uh, ranked in the top five, I mean, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. So I heard Clay Travis make the argument on uh, Wednesday morning, and I like Clay a lot. I'm a fan of his. I respect him. But he was making the argument on Wednesday morning after the rankings came out that if Alabama goes on to beat Auburn in a couple of weeks – that uh, they should be able to get in to the college football playoff if they do it in impressive fashion because Auburn's a top 15 team and style points do matter. And what he pointed to was Ohio State in the first year of the college football playoff blowing out Wisconsin with Cardell Jones, their third-string quarterback, and Ohio State leapfrogging Baylor and TCU to jump into the college football playoff. They came in as a four seed. They won the national championship for Urban Meyer. Many of you remember that. If you're a TCU or a Baylor fan, it's obviously a, a painful memory for you. But Clay's analogy or Clay's example doesn't work, and here's why. The reason we were told at that time that Baylor and TCU did not get into the college football playoff was because they didn't have a conference championship game, and they were co-champions, therefore eh, you got to have a conference championship game that'll help your cause. So the Big 12 added a conference championship game, by the way, with a round-robin schedule, the only conference in America to do a round-robin schedule. So you can't compare Alabama beating up Auburn in the final game of the regular season because it's not a conference championship game. That Ohio State waxing Wisconsin was in the Big 10 title game back in 2014, and that is the reason we were told why Ohio State got in. They won impressively, but it was also a conference title on the line. Alabama-Auburn is not a conference title game. It's simply another regular season game. That's all it is. That's it. So Alabama does not deserve to be sitting there thinking about the college football playoff. In fact, they should be out, as far as I'm concerned, uh, they should be done no matter what. You're not going to be a conference champion. How many top 25 wins do you have if you're Alabama against currently ranked teams? Oh, the answer? Zip. Zilch. None. Nada. Zero. Not a single one. You may have one at the end of the year against Auburn. That is it. That's all you're going to have. Meantime, Oklahoma could be sitting there as a one-loss Big 12 champion 
with potentially Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. Potentially three top 25 wins on their resume and a conference championship. If that would not get in over a one-loss non-conference Alabama with one top 25 win, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I just, I don't know. I'd throw my hands up at that point and say, you know, the BCS was a pain in the rear end, but this is a disaster. This is a disaster. And don't tell me the eye test, okay? Don't tell me the eye test. Why play the games? If you want to go eye test, if you want to go the guys with the biggest muscles uh, and the biggest bench presses and the fastest 40s, just go by the recruiting rankings and then line them up and uh, skip right to the college football playoff Labor Day weekend. You know, save us all a lot of time. Save us all a big headache. You can't do it. You just can't. So I am frustrated by this. Uh, I want to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out. But think about Baylor. You know, if Baylor runs the table here, they'll have a conference title and three top 25 wins. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and OU in a Big 12 championship game rematch. I know the non-conference wasn't any good. But, man, it's hard to sit here and say that resume, depending on how things shake out around the rest of the conference, rest of the country, I should say, it's hard to say that resume wouldn't be pretty darn good. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll dive into everything else going on in the Big 12 that's coming up next. Hey there, it's Pete Mundo, and our friends at MyBookie.ag have become great partners of Heartland College Sports, and uh, during Thanksgiving week, they've got a great risk-free, literally risk-free offer for the Bears-Lions game. You choose a team against the spread up to $250, and if you win, congrats, you've got extra holiday spending money. But if you lose, congratulations, MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. And it doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie.ag welcomes all levels of players, and they've got a great customer service team that will take you through the process and make sure that you are taken care of. So just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free Bears-Lions bet. Let me repeat that. Guaranteed deposit match, risk-free bet, Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train. Get in on the action with mybookie.ag. Promo code BIG12, BIG12. You play, you win. You get paid. So if you're looking to see that uh, dramatic final couple of weeks in the Big 12, as close as this conference has been throughout the year, you're not going to be getting that. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. So Big 12 championship is basically set. I mean, barring some crazy unforeseen circumstances, uh, Baylor and Oklahoma are going to have a rematch in the Big 12 title game. They're both 6-1 and one in conference play. Nobody is 5-2. and two. Then you have Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas sitting there at 4-3 uh, and three in conference play. There is a crazy shot, crazy shot, that Oklahoma State could get to the Big 12 championship game. 
Here's what would have to happen. OU loses to TCU. Oklahoma State takes care of business this weekend against Kansas. And then Oklahoma State beats OU in Bedlam next week. So they have the head-to-head. Oh, and by the way, uh, Oklahoma State would have to have Texas lose one of its final two games of the year as well. So Oklahoma State would need Baylor to beat Texas this weekend. They'd have to run the table, finish up 6-3 and three against KU, and then beat OU as well. But they would also need OU to lose to TCU this weekend straight up. And then Oklahoma State could find its way backing in to a Big 12 championship game, which is crazy to think about. I mean, what were the odds on Oklahoma State playing for a Big 12 title when they were sitting there at 1-3 and three in conference play uh, just, you know, three, four weeks ago? Now they've ripped off three straight wins. They got KU this weekend, and the season has completely turned around for Mike Gundy. Heck of a job by Mike Gundy and the Cowboys. It's, it's been fun to watch the last couple of weeks. The defense is really what has turned things around thanks to 10 turnovers the past three games for Jim Knowles after the guy had, oh, I want to say it was like 10 turnovers in his first 20 games. It was crazy, the differential. In these uh, last three games versus the previous 20 under Jim Knowles, who is the defensive coordinator for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So this team has been really fun to watch here as of late. But you look at Texas right now. They're 4-3 and three in the conference. They're 6-5 and five overall. Make that 6-4 and four overall. But they're an underdog going to Waco this weekend. About a 5- or 6-point dog, depending on where you look. It's very possible Texas is looking at a 6-5 and five record going into the final week of the regular season against Texas Tech, a Tech team, by the way, that could be playing for a chance to get to a bowl game, which means a highly motivated Texas Tech team if they can get by Kansas State this weekend. That is a very difficult spot. Think about that game two years ago, right? Tech goes on the road to Texas uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I think it was, and they beat the Longhorns on the road to become bowl eligible and at the time save Cliff Kingsbury's job. So Tech could be a wildly motivated team next week, and Texas could be in danger of finishing 6-6. Six and six. I know they had injuries this year, but after you win double digits last year and you, know, you get by Georgia in the uh, Sugar Bowl, man, I, this is a big step back for Tom Herman. Now, if Tom Herman goes out there and beats Baylor this weekend, beats Texas Tech, he's sitting there at 8-4 and four and wins a bowl game, 9-4, and four, you're not going to feel as bad about things, right? You're going to say, eh, you know, didn't live up to the hype, didn't live up to expectations, but if that happens for this Texas team, if they went out, they'll finish with a top 20 ranking. They will be in the top 20 by the end of the season, and you can at least say at that point, hey, you know, not what we wanted, wanted to play and win a Big 12 title, maybe make a run at a college football playoff. But you know what? Some injuries got the best of us. Let's reset. Ellinger senior year will be good to go. But if they finish, you know, seven and five, six and six, seven and six with a bowl win in like the Texas Bowl, that's going to be a big disappointment for this program, especially when you compare it to what Matt Rule is doing in year three, to what Ed Orgeron is doing at LSU in year three. And the reason I bring those guys up is because Baylor obviously is in Texas um, and Matt Rule and, and Tom Herman were hired in the same offseason. And I bring up LSU because, you know, part of the reason Tom Herman's at Texas is because LSU wanted him and Texas basically said, we're going to fire Charlie Strong because we don't want to lose out on Tom Herman. That's a big part of what happened. 
All right. So you have to look at that and say it's fair to compare where Tom Herman is with Texas to where Matt Rule is with Baylor to where Ed Orgeron is with LSU. And you say of those three programs right now, uh, the third one is the Texas Longhorns, which is crazy to say. I would have never guessed that three years ago. If you told me Baylor coming off the scandal and basically having no recruiting class will be in a better spot in 2019 and 2020 than the Texas freaking Longhorns? Are you kidding me? And that Ed Orgeron, who you know I always thought was like a good interim coach and a decent motivator, but not a great X's and O's guy, would be ending up doing bigger things and better things at LSU with the number one team in the country, and Tom Herman would be sitting here unranked late in the 2019 season, I'd be like, no way, no shot. But that's where we are. And for Texas, you know, they're going to blow an opportunity. They are going to blow an opportunity to win not just a Big 12 title, but maybe get to a college football playoff with the best quarterback they've had since Colt McCoy. Sam Ellinger is, you want to call him uh, Tim Tebow light, uh, feel free. He's a really good quarterback is what he is. If I had to win one game today in the Big 12 Conference, who would I take a quarterback? It'd be Sam Ellinger. That's who I'd pick. And if this guy can't come to Austin and help you win a Big 12 title, uh, that's a huge, huge disappointment for this program. But, you know, Tom Herman on the Big 12 uh, teleconference on Monday, all the coaches hop on the teleconference with the media. Here the guy is at 6-4, and four, disappointing season, down the home stretch. And listen to the first couple of questions Tom Herman gets from some chump with the athletic. I want, I was curious. Um, you mentioned Malcolm Roach uh, a few a week or so ago being, you know, a potential guy that you would like to have on your staff, like potentially as a, a coach. Um, I was curious, like if you had any other players that you feel you could see coaching one day. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? The guy just lost a game. He's 6-4. and four. He's having a huge disappointment of a year. And some guy from The Athletic is doing big-time journalism in here with uh, a question like that. The first question to Tom Herman during the media availability uh, teleconference on Monday. Oh, good gosh. How, how much did Tom Herman pay that guy to line up that question for him? <laughs> Uh, it's too good sometimes. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, our preview and picks for week 13 in the Big 12 Conference. Well, it is time for week 13 of the Big 12 Conference. I don't know where it's going, man. Just two weeks left. It's killing me. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We will go in order of the games, and let's dive into it now with my picks for week 13. Start off with the 11 a.m. games. Uh, Iowa State taking on Kansas. So you look at this game, and you say to yourself, if you're Iowa State, uh, Avoid the trap, right? You beat Texas last week. Big game there. You've got Farmageddon next week against Kansas State. Always a hard-fought great game. That's going to be a lot of fun. This has a trap in many ways written all over it. Interestingly enough, here's some tidbits for you. Iowa State has been better against the spread on the road versus at home. Uh, they're home for this game. They're 2-1 and one against the spread on the road. They are 3-3 three and three against the spread at home. And Kansas has been better against the spread on the road as well. Two and two on the road, two and three at home. 
Both these teams are in the negative uh, for turnover margin this season, so that's a bit of a surprise for Iowa State and a disappointment for both teams, obviously. And when I look at Iowa State's rushing offense, uh, Brees Hall has been outstanding, one of the best players in the Big 12 over the last few games of the season. But as a team, Iowa State is still ranked 8th in the Big 12 in rushing offense, and they're going up against the worst run defense in the conference. So if they want to take advantage of Kansas, you got to do it on the ground. But Iowa State has not always been efficient at doing that this season. You look at it and you say to yourself, okay, Iowa State wants to be rested up for Farmageddon next week. They don't want to give up too much of the playbook late in the year. I see Iowa State trying to get this win and get the afternoon over with, and then just move on to next week. So I think Kansas can cover this number. It's a big number, 24-and-a-half. And Kansas has shown spurts. I know the last couple of weeks in offense have not been kind to the Jayhawks, but Brent Deerman still has shown the ability to score points with this offense as the new OC. So this is too big a number for me. I'm going Kansas plus 24-and-a-half in this game. We've got West Virginia at home against Oklahoma State. Um Spencer Sanders is going to be wearing a, a cast or something on his hand here for the Cowboys. They're going on the road against a West Virginia team that's coming off a good win against K-State. Jarrett Daigie's in at quarterback uh, in place of Austin Kendall here last week, and he looked good. I assume he'll get the start once again. And I look at this from an Oklahoma State standpoint, too, and I said to myself, okay, go in there, pick up a win, and get the heck out. You've got a quarterback who's got a banged-up hand. You're going up against a West Virginia defense that's actually been pretty darn good. They're second in sacks in the Big 12. Oklahoma State at times has had issues with this. They held Baylor to 17 points. They held K-State to 20 points. Um, and Oklahoma State has also done a much better job on defense. I mentioned the turnovers earlier in the show. Oklahoma State, 10 turnovers the past three games. And the last four games, they're allowing less than 25 points per game. So I'm going with an under 59.5 for total points in this game. West Virginia home against Oklahoma State. I do think the Cowboys win. But the spread was seven. And with the Sanders injury in the hand, on the road, Bedlam next week, I just could see Mike Gundy eking out like a three, four-point victory here in this game. So I don't feel great about the spread. I'm not touching it. But I like the under 59.5 with the way both these defenses are playing. Morgantown late in the year calling for a 70% chance of showers on Saturday. So keep an eye on that. I'm going under 59 and a half. Let's go to Baylor in Texas and Waco. Uh, Baylor, I know last week was brutal. And I don't think there's going to be a hangover because they can still win the Big 12. I know the second half was brutal. But I, I am so bought into what Matt Rule is selling that these guys are not going to have that hangover effect. If any team's going to have a hangover, it's Texas to me. They're not making a run at the Big 12 title anymore. Those dreams are shot. Uh, they're 6-4 and four on the year. Again, a little bit healthier, but they're still kind of banged up. Uh, Baylor's still playing for it here. They've got the top-scoring defense of the Big 12, the top-pass efficiency defense of the Big 12, and Texas has had trouble running the ball. That's where you can... Now, Baylor's whole defense has been good, but that's where you're more likely to try to take advantage of this team right now. It's on the ground, and Texas had 50-some-odd rushing yards last week against a good run defense in Iowa State. So Texas has got to throw the ball, and that's been a very difficult thing to do against Baylor for the most part this season. Colin Johnson still questionable for this game for Texas. That's obviously uh, the top weapon for Sam Ellinger on the outside, so that's something to keep in mind as well. 
And this is an effort game, right? Has Texas rolled over for the year, or does Tom Herman have something left in that tank from his guys uh, to get him down the home stretch and avoid a 6-6 six and six finish? Or is Baylor going to just be totally shell-shocked from last week that it carries over into this year? The more likely of the two, based on what I've seen from these programs this year, is Texas rolling over. So I'm going Baylor minus 5.5 at home in this game. Also, this program has not beaten Texas since 2014. That means everybody on this team, every single player for Baylor has yet to beat the Texas Longhorns. And you know that if you're at any of those other Texas schools in the state, you're either not recruited or somehow not given an offer by Texas, and you're surly about it. That always matters in this game. So I'm going Baylor minus 5.5. Also, a quick note, 52% of the money is on Baylor, but the line has moved by a couple of points. That means the big money is on the Bears in this game. Let's get to it with Texas Tech uh, hosting Kansas State. Now, K-State before last week was on a 4-0 stretch against the spread. They are 7-3 this season against the spread. Very good number. And this could have been a trap game for K-State. Coming off the past couple of weeks, Texas, West Virginia go on the road to a mediocre TCU team. And then you've got Farmageddon, Iowa State next week. You could have been caught looking ahead. But K-State has lost two in a row. Uh, Chris Kleiman uh, had some hearts-to-hearts this week with his guys. He noted as much. He said as much. Tech, ninth rushing defense in the Big 12. 10th passing defense in the Big 12. Not good on that side of the ball. Skylar Thompson has a chance to get this offense back on track that has had a rough couple of weeks. Um, If he can't do it this week, it's not going to happen. He can put up some points in Lubbock this weekend. Meantime, for Texas Tech, uh, they've been living off the turnover margin. There are tops in the Big 12 at plus 7 in turnover margin this year. But K-State, to its credit, is like third or fourth in the Big 12. They're plus three. So they have not been giving up a ton of turnovers uh, this year by any stretch of the imagination. Jordan Brooks went out early against TCU last week. Their star linebacker. What's his status? Uh, He's questionable. Even if he's healthy or even if he plays, is he healthy? I don't know. I just don't know. This may be a sucker bet, okay? You can call it a sucker bet. Because the line opened up as Tech plus one. It's now gone to Tech minus two and a half. And more money or more bets have been placed on K-State. So that means the big money is on Texas Tech. Maybe it's a sucker bet, but I'm taking it. I'm taking Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats plus two and a half in Lubbock. I just cannot fully trust this uh, Texas Tech team at this point in time. I cannot do it. So I'm going Kansas State plus two and a half. I still think that this is a team that has had a rough couple of weeks. But it's a very good team that Chris Kleiman's got. Strong defense, a capable offense. I think they'll go in and cover that two-and-a-half-point spread. Last but not least, Oklahoma and TCU. All right. This TCU team, since getting blown out by Iowa State, has had five straight games decided by 10 points or less. Four of them by seven points or less. The 10-point game was their victory over Texas. So they played a ton of close games here over the past month. They've gotten a lot better under true freshman quarterback Max Duggan. I've liked the growth that I've seen from him these last uh, few games. Meantime, you look at this as well. Uh, TCU has not covered the spread in five or six games. But I think this is an overcompensation line by Las Vegas. 18-point dogs 
against Oklahoma. TCU has the second-ranked rush defense in the Big 12 and uh, pass defense in the Big 12. The defense is not getting to the quarterback like it used to or like it has in previous seasons, but they're still playing really darn good football. They got a good win over Texas Tech last week. Now they're going on the road, taking on the Oklahoma Sooners, and OU is good. All right? They're good. But you see the good of Jalen Hurts in the second half last week, and you see the bad of Jalen Hurts in the first half last week. This is too big of a number. It is too big of a spread. I am taking Gary Patterson and the three scores against OU. I'm doing it. Give me TCU plus 18 in this game. OU will win it outright, but give me TCU in the number. So to recap, I've got Kansas plus 24 and a half against Iowa State. I've got West Virginia, Oklahoma State under 59 and a half. OSU wins it outright. I've got uh, Baylor minus five and a half at home against Texas. K-State plus two and a half on the road against Texas Tech. And then TCU plus 18 against Oklahoma. There you have it. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Please leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I will get you the free koozie in the mail when you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we will talk with you guys on Sunday for our recap show right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com.